All right. Um, let's. Um, we're going to do a, a corporate prayer. We're going to pray uh, Psalm 139 together. And uh, so please, it'll be on the screen here in a moment. A couple moments. Okay, let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, I pray that nobody here would think I am talking about them, but that you yourself would prick our conscience and point out anything in us that offends you and lead us by your spirit who we need to lead us every day. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Today we're going to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to talk about judging each other, or not judging each other. The most important thing in Christian community is to respect each other's heart and to not become judgmental. Unless there is outright biblical evidence that the person is in sin, it's really important that you don't judge someone else. That is the main point today. One type of judging is seeing and redeeming. Another type is seeing and accusing. It's seeing and passing a sentence on them according to whose standards? Well, my own, of course. But there is only one lawgiver and judge. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So how can these things be? How can, how can it be that a person doesn't notice serious faults and sins in himself or herself and is really good at noticing other people's more minor problems. How, does that, how do we make sense of that? It sounds illogical and unlikely, right? How, how could that be? Harsh judgment of others is intimately connected with pride. Pride deceives. The pride of your heart has deceived you. We read this almost every time I preach. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Nothing in the world lies like my heart lies. Is that your, your motto? Nothing in the world lies like my heart lies. I can be duped by my own tricky heart, and up comes my little radar for other people's problems. Zoop, zoop, zoop. 
I notice everything my wife does wrong, and I got to tell her about it. My kids just can't seem to do anything right, and I'm constantly on them for it. The preacher looks funny, talks funny, said the wrong thing. It offends me that he is this way. When we see a speck in someone else's eye, we're convinced, and we're convinced that we need to tell them about it. And somehow we miss the log that is in our own eye. That is an example of being deceived. Perhaps rightly, we perceive a minor fault in another person, but we do not perceive a greater flaw or sin in ourselves. We therefore think lower of another person than we ought, and we think higher of ourselves than we ought. That is deception. The pride of our heart has deceived us. Obadiah chapter one verse three. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. But think of yourselves with sober judgment. Good thing I memorized that. I couldn't flip the page fast enough. Romans 12:3. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For quote, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5:5. When I see that old pride rising up in my spirit, I know it's time to humble myself. Look at these scriptures, write them down, and read them again and again and again. God's word is like a hammer that breaks the rock. All of us are hard-hearted sometimes. Really, it's more like our default setting. A good discipline is to read Psalm 139 every day. Take 60 days. Read Psalm 51 in the morning. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. Read Psalm 139 in the evening. It closes with, "Search me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me. See if there is anything in me that offends you, and lead me." God will answer that prayer, but watch out. He is often going to humble you a bit. Because it is in God's nature to humble the haughty and to lift up the lowly, it is in God's nature to humble the proud and exalt the humble. Pride comes before a fall. That's a law of nature. Proverbs 16:8. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. God does not want you to fall. How can it be that a person doesn't notice serious faults and sins in himself or herself, and is really good at noticing other people's minor problems? Harsh judgment of others is intimately connected with pride. Pride deceives. Have you ever noticed that when you're noticing other people's faults a lot, it's a distraction, and it gets you into a bad mood, and takes your attention and affection away from God? That is how it is for me. They don't need me to point out their faults. There is only one thing that is needed, and that is for me to sit at the Lord's feet, listening. If you're getting angry about other people's faults every day, you're getting tricked. It's a trap. Let's look again at Matthew chapter seven. Jesus says. 
Why do you take the speck out of your brother's eye and not notice the log that is in your own eye? Matthew Henry, a commentator, says, here is a good rule for reprovers. First, reform thyself. <laughs> Judging often takes the form of comparing ourselves with each other to see who's better. If I am still doing that, I am without understanding. We compare ourselves with Christ, and all of us fall short and need his spirit to speak the word of God to us, often through the lips of a brother or sister or disciple or a pastor, and rather than being foolish like someone who leans on his own understanding, we are wise, we listen to rebuke, and then we understand what the will of the Lord is. And as we become meek, as we become less, we grow in wisdom and knowledge, and we grow up into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ, who is our life, until we also appear with him in glory. There are two kinds of judging. There is shepherding and there is mocking. This person sees my faults, listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, judges me rightly like a shepherd, in love corrects me or rebukes me. This person is a shepherd. I can trust their rebuke even though it hurts. I can tell God is trying to get my attention so he sent someone to say that to me. This must mean God loves me. God is treating me as a son who he corrects and disciplines for my good. Getting rebuked by this shepherd brought me closer to God. That person is a mocker. They're always belittling me. They're always pointing out my faults. But unlike the shepherd, I don't think there's any grace in it. I don't think they want me to do better. Their rebuke is unkind, arrogant, and rude. I think they're just insistent on getting their own way. They're irritable and resentful. It's like they enjoy telling me what I did wrong. It's like Satan is accusing me. That's the kind of judging Jesus is warning us against. This happens both inside and outside the church. We are called to see that Jesus is a good shepherd and we are to be imitators of him. All of us are called to become less of the mocker and have more of the shepherd in us because Lord knows I've spent enough time being the mocker. Can I get an amen? amen. Who then is the shepherd? It is Jesus. Who is the mocker? It was me. But if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. It is the spirit that gives life. It, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Not only eternal life after you die, but abundant life while you yet live. 
for he will surely exercise his power in your inner being to recreate you after the image of Christ our God. May you become less and less the mocker and more and more like Christ our shepherd. Satan, the accuser. Christ, our redeemer and protector from accusation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The problem for us comes because the mocker and the proud scoffers are the ones within our own walls. So how am I to be saved from God's chastisement? For like the song we sing says, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It is here that we need a healthy dose of the mercy of God. It is here at the foot of the cross that we must beg for mercy. Be merciful to me, O God. Have mercy on me, Psalm 57. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, Psalm 51. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. This is why it is only after receiving mercy from Christ that we become merciful people. As it is written, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Those who have been forgiven much are the best at forgiving. Sometimes we are judgmental of others because we are holding a grudge. If you are staying angry day after day, perhaps there is someone you need to forgive. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. How do you forgive? You say before the Lord what the person did wrong to you and that you are angry about it. Do not make excuses for the person who sinned. Nobody else made them do it. They did it and it was wrong. The problem isn't that they had a bad upbringing. The problem is sin. Call it what it is and then take it to the cross. Lay it at Jesus' feet. Ask him who died for you to take that person's sins away too. Christians sin. Christians make mistakes. It is against God that we sin. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See what attitude is in our Father's heart toward us. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. When you're super upset at your housemate, your spouse, your kids, your parents, how do you think God eternally feels toward them if they're a child of God? He is slow to anger and quick to forgive. God does not want anyone to perish. And in Jesus, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. He is the image or the real life picture of the invisible God. And can you see him now with his arms outstretched on the cross, 
suffering and dying under the wrath of God so that I, the guilty one, might go free. When you're angry at another Christian who has sinned, stop. Think, someone holy already died for that sin. That person no longer deserves condemnation. So who am I to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. In fact, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when I'm angry at my brother, I stop and think, Christ died for that sin. When I'm having lots of critical thoughts toward others, I stop and think, God, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me. And pretty soon I get less deceived and I start to remember that I'm a sinner too. Oh yeah, kind of forgot that. And then I start to pray, have mercy on me, a sinner. I find that God is slow to anger toward me and rich in mercy and abounding in love and faithfulness to me. As soon as I confess my sin, I find mercy and grace to gently restore someone who's got a speck in his eye. And the more merciful I am, the more merciful God will be with me. The less I judge, the less I will be judged. Whatever I want God to do to me, however I want to be treated, I treat my kids that way. I treat my wife that way. I treat you that way. I treat the people I work with that that way, with God's help. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Like David said in Psalm 18, and your gentleness made me great. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. I know what it is like to have haughty eyes. Let me tell you about one of the most extraordinary things that ever happened to me. I was once with some trusted friends for a prayer meeting, a prayer meeting to pray for me. And uh, one of them said to me, I can see demons laughing at me in your eyes. And I thought to myself, how did you see that in me? I'm constantly trying not to mock people. Well, that was just it. They prayed for me, and they prayed for me to be delivered from from spiritual warfare, from some demons that were oppressing me, and to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, just like in Acts, the Christians who were filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Spirit were then filled with the Holy Spirit again. It was a good prayer meeting. Afterwards, I felt good. In fact, I felt at perfect peace. But now that I've gotten used to being in the presence of God, I expect that from a good prayer meeting or a good worship meeting. What really amazed me was something that happened the next day as I was driving up James H. McGee Boulevard on my way to work. I was, you know, there are two lanes going this way, a median, two lanes going that way, sidewalks. And I was just holding onto the steering wheel, looking at the road and looking around. And I, was, and I thought to myself, there's nothing wrong with how that person is driving their car and across the median, nobody over there has an ugly car. And over there walking, that person doesn't walk funny. And over there, that person doesn't dress funny. 
And it dawned on me that that was the first day in my entire life, as long as I can remember, I hadn't been constantly trying to quiet thoughts of mocking people. That was the first day in my whole life I wasn't trying to hold in like mocking thoughts and not say that. I am human, which means I sin. I don't need demons to make me sin, but that day something, hun something happened to me unlike anything I had experienced. And I worshiped God who delivers me from oppressing demons and from sin. Not all of the bad thoughts you have come from within you. Sometimes you need deliverance and there's nobody but Jesus who can deliver. Talk to your discipler about setting up a meeting for deliverance. Do you have critical thoughts about everybody around you? That's a sign that sin is at work within you. And God would like to forgive you of being a fault finder, of shifting the blame, and of making excuses, and to fill you with the spirit of Jesus to empower you to change. Our Father sent his Son into the world to die for us while we were still sinners, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Please come up front to the table and eat and drink Christ, who died to make you holy, to make you his, and to change who you are. Please come.